everybody welcome to episode 71 which we are titling better late than never because this is our phf season preview that we didn't get to do last week due to illness and you know the season started without us really i mean this is a quality uh, because we didn't do our nhl season preview until that season had already started so we're just maintaining that status quo for the women before we dive in at all on this phf preview we we've done this the last couple of times we've previewed or, you know, done anything uh, remarkably f- long form about the PHF. We're not experts on women's hockey. No, uh, we are appreciators. Yes, we are watching regularly. But what goes on behind closed doors and in arenas of access for the sport, mm-hmm. we we are not in those areas, yeah. nor do we, we don't really actually want to be with NH, the NHL either. It's just kind of in your face. <laughs> but you should be paying attention to the people that are in those spaces, predominantly um, those at the Ice Garden. Jake, can you plug some other? Absolutely. Uh, the Ice Garden has so many good writers, but for the PHF, a lot of their big ones are Mike Murphy, Holly Morrison, Dan Rice, and Angelica Rodriguez. Also, if you're not reading Haley Salvian at The Athletic, probably don't like hockey in general. Uh, <laughs> Haley's absolutely brilliant. Um, What's more hockey than like Haley Salvian making fun of Ian Mendez's puns on The Athletic Hockey Show? Like it's it's nothing at this point, really. <laughs> that's actually that's generational warfare is what goes on between the two of them and so it's lovely to listen to yeah also the victory press they're just awesome on all things women's hockey so we're gonna have links to our all of these things on our website and social media and uh we just want to know that we're listening to women's hockey stuff through their coverage a lot of times and and developing our own opinions and watching the games when we can but uh these are the prime sources yeah and if you are honestly if you're listening to this and you're a women's hockey fan you probably already know all of these sources but if you don't dive in uh we we have stumped for the athletic since i think the beginning of this it's always worth a subscription fee the athletic Uh, but Haley Salvian is incredible uh her work there is really phenomenal um but also the Victory Press and the Ice Garden, give them your clicks, you know, mm-hmm. click on their ads yeah. just to give them some money. They aren't owned by the New York Times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unlike everything else in this world, including my election coverage. Um, with that said, uh, let's dive in on season eight of the PHF, the second as the PHF, um, but the first with a the almighty dollar in- amounts increased greatly yeah i uh, am finally getting used to the name phf it does roll off the tongue all right um but yeah the the economic story is really the big one here they yeah. have increased uh team expenditures and signed a lot of free agents changed free agency and so we are kind of seeing a new league forming in like a, a new paradigm being reached in terms of how they're playing Absolutely. I think probably the best way to highlight that is to 
dive into our team previews so you can really see kind of the massive player movement that happened this year. Uh, it really kind of lends credence and weight to the fact that we are kind of in a new frontier for women's hockey with the establishments of the higher salary caps and higher contract numbers and uh, the ability to lure key free agents is something that is kind of or is something that is now probably going to be a prominent part of the PHF as it moves forward. So surprise to nobody, Boston still good, maybe better. Weirdly. Yeah. The, uh, the rich get richer. Uh, Everywhere but net, yeah, I think they are they are a better team. Uh, losing Katie Burt, uh, or not so much losing Katie Burt as in choosing to not resign them, which mm-hmm. I think was more of a financial decision uh, right. than anything. Finances uh, came into play a whole lot more this year than they have yeah. years past, which is is saying something because there's so much more money to go around. But I think teams were because of that there's like this hesitancy to except for Buffalo's part to like go out and give that huge contract because Mm -hmm. you don't know, like there's no market set, right? Like in the NHL and other sports, you can be like, Oh, well this person is making this much and this player is a comp to that person stats wise. So we can kind of negotiate in that area. Do the, we have like a cap friendly for the PHF? Oh, there is uh, actually a cap friendly for uh, or something along those lines for women's hockey. It's called Cap Besties. Uh, it's the creation of Mike Murphy over at the Ice Garden. Not to be confused with Cat Besties. Or <laughs> is that a real thing? No, I don't know. It just sounds like it. I'm it's sure probably it is. like some, you know, high grossing like cat Instagram or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. And it's volume up and all you hear is like the soft twing of like an acoustic guitar and <laughs> That's that's Ben Shapiro while watching Cat Besties. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, they put some water on that cat. It's a wet ass <laughs> pussy." Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to not sexualize this joke, and, well, that failed. Uh, you're saying you're trying to not sexualize a joke while you're, like, pantomiming heavy breathing into a microphone? I was trying to do a purr. I was trying to do a cat purring. Your purr sucks. <laughs> yeah. Not quite as much as Ben Shapiro. Uh, yeah, so capbesties.com. Uh, if you're into, like, kind of the financial side of things, if you're a little bit of a nerd like I am, I spend way too much time on Cap Friendly, like, every year going, oh, what can the Red Wings do this year? <laughs> well, now you can do it with women's hockey and the PHF. Back to Boston. Back to Boston. They're still the best. Yeah. Uh, when Well, you talk about, like, not re-signing people like Katie Burt, Mallory Suliotis. When you have to, when you go out and you're like, oh, you know what we should do? Let's just, <laughs> let's just sign fucking Allie Thunstrom. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, like that Allie Thunstrom. Allie Thunstrom with, who caves in teams at both ends of the ice. Yes, uh, like just way too fast for her own good or the good of anybody else. <laughs> like, like she's incredibly good. Um, and you know, like her, her salary has not been disclosed, but I'm going to guess that it's a, a healthy chunk. Um, also 
reportedly Callie Flanagan is making the same amount of money as Michaela Grant Mentis, uh, right around an, uh, an 80 K AAV. So like they, they, they put money where, uh, where they thought it needed to go. And they obviously have done smart things because they also brought in Lauren Gable and Elizabeth Jaguar, who have both won the Patty Kazmaier award for best player in women's college hockey. Oh yeah. Um, like you bring in a ton of scoring and so it's like, oh, well, we lost Amanda Boulier and Katie Burr and Mallory Suliotis. And you're like, wow, those are all huge losses. Those are all extremely talented players. But but the new <laughs> talented players like this is like watching a top power five football team reload. Yeah. Like we haven't even talked about Jillian frickin Dempsey yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Her. <laughs> She's so fucking good. Uh, like, But like. Christina Patinga, Sammy Davis, Taylor Wenskowski, like all of these players are absolutely elite and Boston can roll them out just like on a whim. Right. There's no need to shelter an offensive line. There's no need to protect a defensive pairing. You've got Kaylee Fracken. uh, You've got Callie Flanagan. You're good, right? Right. Like, And they will miss Amanda Boulier and Mallory Suliotis. Absolutely. And her cat. Gordy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there are other defensemen that will make an impact this year. Sorry. <clears throat> there are other defense people that will make it. Sorry. Defenders. Yeah. Defenders. There are other defenders that will make an impact this year and other great hockey cats to come. Yeah. I, Boston is, I, I would say, loaded for bear, but they're uh, lions. So <laughs> I, they're so fucking good. Boston is number one or number two we'll say one a or one b to the whale who we'll get to here in a little bit um but they're they're unreal they're stacked they're gonna score a ton of goals and because we're doing this late and we have one weekend of games in the in the books already they beat the crap out of the whale (laughs) on saturday like We've got some pudding for proof already, and well, proof is in the pudding. It wasn't good, Um, and so like, I, I, I think I still have a feeling that the best team in the league is is the whale, Um, but that's not just wishful thinking. uh, I we'll get to their roster. It's fucking insane um right but roster isn't everything boston does it year after year after year with just the the culture and the presence so yeah and they also didn't give up a goal all weekend so like (laughs) they'll they'll be fine (laughs) um yeah they're gonna be real good good at hockey yeah it turns out that uh adding corinne schroeder to your team is a good move generally Um, when teams don't score goals against you, you win. Yeah. Just putting that out there. We're going from Mike Ditka to John Madden. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so yeah, Boston will be really good. Um, Buffalo, probably not so much. Uh, I, I I think Buffalo, Buffalo is going to suffer from the same crisis that they did last year, which is that like they were a very young team. They had a ton of new faces and 
they weren't very good going forward. They kind of addressed that by bringing in Michaela Grant Mentis. Like, mm-hmm. Michaela Grant Mentis is obviously fucking awesome. Right. Um, if you want to be a good team, well, probably get maybe the best player in your league. They also brought in Emma Newton in, uh, who has been a fixture on the Finnish world team or Finnish okay. national team for a long time. Uh, so they they got better. But they also got worse. Uh, like they they lost a a good chunk of their defensive core, uh, and they also decided to not sign Carly Jackson, which head scratcher. Yeah, especially like you consider that how much Carly Jackson meant to mm-hmm. that team and just how bludgeoned she became as the season went on. Like she's facing 40, 50 shots every night. Right. And, you know, this is a team that you think maybe she wanted to move on. It's possible, but it felt like it was not an amicable split. Right. Like Um, I'm tired of facing 40, 50 shots a night. Well, she's now like kind of, it's hard (laughs) to say that Carly Jackson is a backup, but She's on Toronto with Elaine Chuli, so who is awesome. So not that right. Carly Jackson isn't. I'm just not sure it's a 1A, 1B split there just because Elaine Chuli was so, so, so good last year. Mm-hmm. Goaltending in general in the PHF last year was ridiculous. You either had it or you didn't. Right. And so to have two is like <laughs> oh, absolutely. a ridiculous advantage. Yeah, when we get to Toronto, we're just going to kind of like salivate over their goaltending situation <laughs> for a while. Um, any, but back to Buffalo, you know, there's anytime you add Michaela Grant Mentis to a team, it's going to lift up, right? Like they had the next to worst power play in the league. That should get better. Um, I think they only had like a 10% power play last year. I mean, you know, it, Sometimes these things don't work out. You know, you add sure. a really good player to a team and I'm always of the mind where don't expect too much from new players and new situations all the time. Isn't that right, Jonathan Huberdeau? <laughs> Again, I think there's going to be a lot of adjustment in Buffalo and I think there's more talent there, but unfortunately for Buffalo, I think every team's got more talent and we'll touch Mm -hmm. on this later, but I think just the talent level in the league in general has skyrocketed this season. Right. But if you, you know, if you're the witch and you stir the talent cauldron, like not everything's going to be the same. It's not going to be, you know, heterogeneous across the mixture. And so like some teams are going to gel faster than others. Absolutely. Uh, And that's the, that's the name of the game this year. It seems like, because while this is when they changed all the rules for free agency and such, Yeah, so so I think overall, we're probably looking at a Buffalo team that is better, all told, but maybe doesn't raise its total standings all that much. And out the gate, how have they done? They're one and one out of the gate over this weekend, uh, playing against Montreal, who is probably another team that looks to be near the bottom of the league. Uh, But you know, like they scored eight, they scored seven goals over the weekend. That's a good, that's a good, um, two games, outpour yeah. in seven two goals. games. So 
Um, if they can keep that up, you know, maybe they can keep themselves uh, up in the standings a little bit longer uh, than than I'm expecting. But since this is our podcast, I'm <laughs> saying eh, they'll probably be like fifth or sixth. All right. Next, the other big kahuna in the PHF this season, at least from my perspective, the whale. We're doing this alphabetically if people haven't figured out yet. Like two B teams and then the C team. Yes. <laughs> alphabetically uh connecticut and then we'll have the three m teams and then it'll be all great but uh you know the connecticut whale are always first in your heart no matter what right 100 percent, they will never not be first in my heart um also they're really fucking good <laughs> like their forwards the forwards that they can throw out are bonkers I don't even know if they have to play defense. Like throw out like onto the ice, not like throw out. Like, yeah, like like, like, like into, into like, a garbage can. Like, well, I mean, because that, that also says something like, oh, your cuts, if you're cutting really good players, oh, maybe you're a really good team. But uh, no, they're talking, you're talking about like they're on legi- ice prime. Yes, legitimate. Like they, let me rephrase. <laughs> no, no uh, I was no, making I jokes. I, I know. Uh, it It's a lineup that I think any team outside of Boston would just slobber over uh just in their forwards kennedy marchment Alyssa wolfiler janine weber amanda conway taylor gerard emma vlasic uh melissa samuskevich like these are all established players who are very good at hockey (laughs) like it's it's absurd and then you look at their defense remember last year they were the best defensive team as well as the best offensive team in the league. And they probably only got better because they brought in fucking Mallory Suliotis. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're very good. And they brought in Miri Risenin to be the one B to Abby Ives. And it, like when we talk about how like, Oh yeah, Buffalo got better. And we'll talk about how, uh, you know, Minnesota got better and whatever. So did Boston and Connecticut and Connecticut might have the most potent, like again on paper, but might have the most potent group of forwards that this league has seen, at least in the three years that I've been paying attention. Yeah. It's interesting to see that several teams have signed two really good goalies. Um, I think that is a little bit begotten by the uh, the tournament format in which they play sometimes, or like you know, short weekend game format. Yeah. Because uh, well, you don't have time to recover a goalie in that time, so let's get two fresh ones. Yeah, you're playing back to backs every weekend, <clears throat> and also I think a lot of teams saw what happened to Minnesota when Amanda Levier went down last year. Yeah, and. I think I was reading in the Ice Garden today that she had a 937 save percentage Jesus when she Christ. went down and uh, the rest of the goalies on the team collectively that year had below a 900% save percentage. Yikes. And so uh yeah, have two good goalies it turns out. It, that's that's important. Um we saw it last year with Katie Burt and Lavisa Sealander in Boston how well that played out. Uh it's going to be imperative again this year probably people get injured especially goalies uh they get Mm -hmm. run into their they tweak a knee 
and in a 24 game season which you know isn't is long but isn't that long well, it's relatively compressed yeah right? they're done by march i believe mm-hmm. and so in a 24 game season i mean you go down with a knee injury and you might be done mm-hmm. so it's uh it's kind of imperative to have that that backup or that 1b to your 1a and the Connecticut have it in spades in their goaltender tandem. They're they're just they're absolutely ridiculously talented. Yeah. The overarching story, I think, in all of these teams is like, well, a lot of new faces, how's the mix gelling? A lot of new faces, how's the mix gelling? Um the ribs also are facing a ton of turnover. More than you would imagine for a professional sports team. Yeah, it, it kind of, it's weird. It, there there seemed to be something going on with this team the last couple of years, and you don't exactly understand what, uh, either personal or political, but... Um, yeah, when you dump basically your entire team mm-hmm. and your front office and your coaching staff... And you only retain three players from the previous season. That says, like, on on the one hand, you could look at that and say, "Holy crap!" They realized that they needed to shuffle it up, and they went for it. Or you can look at it and say there was something rotten, and hopefully, what was rotten got kicked out, and what was good has stayed. But they also, or the converse of that, yeah, too. that's the on that like. We know Anya Packer is gone and they're a freaking peach. So like we're going to hope for the best, especially since her wife is still on the team. Right. And Madison Packer also seems to be just like totally righteous as a human being. Um, and so like we'll see what happens here. But like no team has more gelling to do than the ribs yeah they're bringing in a new coach a new system entirely um and everyone is an off-season addition a new arena <laughs> yeah uh i ooh, i have a pun for you yeah i i bet the ribs really maul people at home this year oh yeah is I, it uh right outside the hollister yeah because they're because yeah, they're, they're playing in a mall yeah it's uh it's some very famous mall in new jersey that other crazy things happen at the american dream mall i believe is the name of it and it's they can seat up to two thousand people for this so it's not not? small why not um but it's just like it has a very like tanya harding uh practicing in the mall feel to it that i just can't shake until i i'm sure i'll see a game there maybe even this weekend and be like oh it works really well but until I see that, it's the same as Mullet Arena, right? Like, <laughs> by all, by all, bit. yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different for an upstart hockey league that, right? You know, could use some exposure. Like, I think that's actually kind of a a fun play in a weird way. Um, I hope the players don't mind it 
I don't know what the conditions are like playing in said mall. If it's near the food court and you're smelling Panda Express during the whole game, like I would not be able to. I'd be like, I I know I'm eating that. (laughs) You're like going down to take a face off. You're like, is that Cinnabon? (laughs) And then you lose the face off. I mean, that's home. That's home ice advantage. Yeah. Or Um, home cooking. Yeah. uh, You know, if you're bad, do players go to lids and buy your hat and then throw it on the ice for a hat trick or something like i mean you have easy access mm-hmm. like you you might be a little bit back <laughs> depending on how fast the cashier is but if like, someone scores a hat trick just the crowd empties lids <laughs> they're like this is the best thing that's ever happened to our franchise yeah. <laughs> we were never gonna sell all these this this insurance payment is gonna be amazing uh so uh yeah uh <laughs> detour alert um this episode has orange signs all over it uh the three players we mentioned coming back are madison packer kendall cornine and kelly babstock uh madison packer and kendall cornine were along with rebecca russo were pretty much the only people who could score for the ribs last year Mm -hmm. and they also were really bad at defense so it makes sense in a way to keep two of the three people who could score goals for you and then just shunt everything else off into the ether. They revamped their goaltending tandem. Uh, they brought in Evelina Makinen to replace Brooke Wilejko as kind of the, the one a or the starting goaltender. Um, Evelina has like a dozen years of professional hockey experience. So like this is like banking on somebody who has a track record. Um, they also brought in Rachel, Rachel McQuiggy. Uh, I hope I'm saying that it could be McQuig, um, but I'm going to go with McQuiggy uh, as well, who had been very good for Princeton for the last couple of years. Okay. So th- like there's youth, there's experience in, in goal tenet, or in goal. Um, you really just have to wonder like how the hell do they put it all together? Mm-hmm. And you normally, when you bring in a new coach, you're like, Oh, well the players will have to like get used to their system. Well, nobody's used to the system. So like that could be good because they're all starting from scratch or it could be bad because nobody has the hell, hell, a hell of an idea what's going on. Like you don't really know how this is going to play out. Uh, they did, lose two to nothing to Boston in their only game during week one at Boston. Um, I'm not going to read too much into that because yeah, that could uh, be either a good loss or a bad loss. Uh, <laughs> could go either way. Really. I'm guessing as far as like on the good loss scale, that's probably <laughs> not too bad, uh, especially considering they bludgeoned the whale in game one. So, uh, but it's a, it's a, longish season uh 24 games to go or 23 games to go for them and i think they're going to be kind of more middle of the pack somewhere in that like three four five probably closer to five range okay uh but i do think the like counting stats will be better like they might not move up in the standings so much but they will on paper they'll be a better team and then that'll be something to kind of branch off of in as they go into into season nine just following with the m teams minnesota is next up if if you know the alphabet um, <laughs> if not if not we're here to help you um we'll, we'll get you through this so the story of minnesota last year was uh with or sans amanda levier with amanda levier pretty good without amanda levier super bad 
the loon pads told the story of the season. Yeah, I, who knew, right? Um, yeah, who? Uh, we, who? We t- <laughs> whom? They've got Amanda Levier back this year, and by all reports, they're healthy to and ready to rock and roll. They did perform, you know, okay this weekend. Uh, they did end up losing both of their games predictably amanda levia got shelled do we know if she has new pads for this season i have not seen pictures yet is it like i'm gonna guess amy klobuchar's face (laughs) it's a it's a a a half breed between a loon and a fish (laughs) or it's a loon eating a fish (laughs) we're just doing genetic splicing on on hockey it's it's like they sent her pads to chernobyl for a couple of months and this is what came back um, they also glow in the dark. Levier is going to be awesome. We know that. The real question in Minnesota in the past has been, okay, who outside of Ali Thunstrom is going to score a bunch of goals? This year, it's like, who's going to score any goals? Because Ali Thunstrom went to Boston right. to win a championship. Yep. So like, you're replacing your like, spiritual on-ice, off-ice, and like statistic leader from the last several years with well one a bunch of people named sydney uh <laughs> there there are like three sydneys on this team but there's a ton of talent coming in amanda boulier came back uh, after moonlighting in boston for a year you add sydney baldwin and sydney morin who are not related to their defense <laughs> to their defense and you know these are all puck moving defenders who should kind of in a way like it's going to be a change from like ali thunstrom getting the puck and skating faster than everybody to having these puck moving defenders on the back end who can help with a breakout who can you know find forwards in the middle of the ice and hit them with a clean pass or they're all good skaters in their own right, so they can they can generate that breakout right. and help and carry the puck. So, but it's a very different way to score. It's a very different way to play. And like, yeah, the Minnesota's having a tough time. It seems figuring out who's scoring, if not Allie Thunstrom. So uh, let's, I don't know, hold out hope that they can kind of write the ship and, and figure out how to put the puck in the net and how to kind of play with this new style that's kind of needed. Yeah. They also, um, also not related brought in Sydney Brote, uh, who is expected to carry a large chunk of that scoring load. Okay. Um, it could be brought also apologies if I, it's that DT. I know you are a Minnesota Stan. I think Minnesota is probably the third best team in the league. Um, maybe fourth depending on how you feel about toronto i could see them taking third or fourth but i could also see this team gelling quickly and amanda levier just being like no i will not be defeated and you know at the end of the season they're first or second like it seems like a stretch it seems like a stretch but levier is amazing and in loon pads we trust i levier me some levier but uh (laughs) This team seems a little overmatched and is also, you know, trying to figure itself out again after losing a star player. So that is never a fun position to be in. Yeah, hopefully they can right the ship. That'd be like downward dog. <laughs> that would be that would be nice for them. Um, new team alert. Montreal has the force. May the force be with you. Who who is this? Are they real? Will they be a force? 
a force majeure oh. in local parlance. Yeah. Uh, I think the first question is pretty easy to answer because we have a we have a roster. We know who they are. That's pretty. Um, they are real. Uh, they played games this weekend, going one one against the Buttes. So we know they're real. Um, will they be a force? However, uh, that that could take all season to figure out. Yeah. And uh, no team in the league is younger than Montreal. Uh, no team in the league is as brand new as montreal mm-hmm. uh they did bring in some established uh talents uh they added and sophie uh bet bettas bettas i'm so bad with the quebecois names i can say quebecois fucking easy but like their names anyways uh the double first name thing in quebec is huge so i can think of no better name for the first captain of the the new quebecois phf franchise than somebody who has a beautiful quebecois name (laughs) outside of them though like brooke stacy is kind of an established talent and will be called upon to do a lot of the heavy lifting but this roster is really young and young doesn't necessarily mean bad but we've gotten to a point where boston is kind of soaking up the like premier draft picks and and best kind of free agents coming out of college year after year and and everyone else is kind of dealing with the rest it seems like Boston has an advantage that Minnesota also has mm-hmm. of just being in a hockey hotbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you've remarked about this several times, you know, like in Minnesota, you can go outside and take a couple of quick whiffs and know where hockey is being played <laughs> within like six blocks. Right. Uh, and so there's always roller hockey over there. Mm-hmm. In a cul-de-sac. I smell it. Minnesota has this kind of built in advantage that they can use. Uh, so does Boston. You'd think Montreal will have that as well as and Toronto mm-hmm. uh, as things progress. But for this first season, and especially since they decided to play games all over the Quebec province instead of just in Montreal. And so they don't have this like home ice arena uh, like advantage built in. There are going to be fans mm-hmm. like it's it's Quebec. Like there's they're going to be fans in there are going to be butts and seats every night i am curious how this like barnstorming approach works like if it's a if it works for marketing or if it's like a net loss uh i don't know just curious and maybe they're just feeling out arenas where they want to base themselves to because i'm sure they have their choice it feels like a preseason, a season-long preseason. kind of yeah and that's what like what whl teams do right yeah and i i think uh, and like Seattle did it their first uh, their first year they played all over like in all the WHL rinks in Washington State. Um, I can see some real benefit to this. You know, you're getting the game out. There hasn't been a women's hockey team in Quebec since the Canadians Women Hockey League folded. Well, it's so not a men's hockey team there either. <laughs> They're the um, only professional hockey le- team in town. I mean, I'm sure there's some like lower level team, but whatever. Right. So like there, there is an opportunity there for a lot of uh, building of a persona and of a reputation and, you know, getting your product out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it helps if you win <laughs> a lot of those games. Yep. But just the recognition being out there is I, I is a thing a 
good thing. Hopefully it's just a one year plan and next year mm-hmm. they have an arena and they're like, we're right. here now, but you know, come see us. Yeah. For the players at least. <clears throat> oh, that's especially for women's players. Like, you know, they're not making 3 million a year to be a fourth liner. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that travel with people who some of which will still have, you know, other jobs or full-time gigs that they're trying to do while playing professional hockey, that seems rough. And so mm-hmm. I think there's probably going to be some wear and tear on this team by the sure. end of the season. And honestly, I, I think Montreal is probably sixth or seventh in the league this year. Toronto, on the other hand, we're expecting some big things from mostly. I think the Toronto six joke still stands. I th- uh, They got a sick, like, score six goals to win i mean elaine truly was so fucking good last year right they've, um, they've made inroads into making that less of a prophecy they still have not yeah we said that in the preview last year and then it was like oh actually their goalie is really <laughs> fucking really good, good yeah. uh Tor- toronto also still hasn't lost a game on canadian soil so mm-hmm. like uh that might turn into hasn't lost a game in the ontario province uh if they <laughs> drop some to montreal this year it just but, gets more and more specific but apparently yeah they haven't lost uh in this neighborhood in toronto they haven't lost on this block in this neighborhood in toronto but, in a week yeah in a week <laughs> since last thursday and it, like toronto's gonna be real good i think they are definitely um they're they're definitely in that top half of the league. Uh, they put up a decent amount of goals this first weekend, despite losing Michaela Grant Mentis. Yeah, Soroya Tinker had a hell of a snipe from the blue line that I saw. Um, they just they have a complete team. This team is very good, and then they went and added uh, Michaela Grant Mentis. So you know, it's a team where. It doesn't have a ton of turnover. We've just added the superstar. So that's part of the reason we're expecting a bit of a run from them. Yeah. Uh, they also picked up Teresa Vanasova, mm-hmm. who is awesome. <laughs> and yeah. so like one of my favorites, the, the people they picked up are, they were like, Oh, we lost Michaela Grant Mentis. That sucks. Um, let's just get a bunch of people who can score. And so like their forward lines are going to be awesome. Uh, Emma Woods, Taylor Woods, Michaela Cava, Cheyenne Darkangelo, Teresa Venisova, Brittany Howard. I think Brittany Howard's going to win the scoring title. We'll get to that later. <laughs> well, she holds um, it right now. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Hey, look at me. Look at me. Just making big stands. Hot takes. Yeah. Over here. Uh, they also have Taylor Davidson, Lindsay Eastwood, uh, Emma Greco on the back and Soroya Tinker. And they brought in tough mustard herself, Carly Jackson. So this is a very good team, right? Like they I don't think their losses are losses that are like, I think they can work around their losses better than some other teams. Uh, they brought in Geraldine Haney, who is like a legendary uh, hockey coach. Um, and then they also have Angela James, who is like possibly the best women's player of all time mm-hmm. as their GM. Like there's some experience in that building. Hockey there's Hall of some... Famer, Angela James. Right. Uh, it, so like 
I don't see a whole lot of weaknesses on this team. Uh, they are going to have to find a way to not rely so heavily on Elaine Julie and Carly Jackson. Yes. They, they need their defense to be a little bit more stout than it was last season. Um, and just, you know, block a couple more shots a game here and there just keep some keep some shots away from the net maybe force people wide a little bit better instead of allowing you know this kind of like cavalcade of enclosed chances but I, I i do think that of you know if we're splitting this league in half which you know i mean there's seven teams so you can't actually do <laughs> but like you can just it, split one in half uh, it's, it, it's okay if there's an upper half and a l- bottom half toronto is definitely in that upper half and if i were like picking a team to if if i was picking a semi-finalist toronto would absolutely be in that list of teams that i think would be in the sem- at least the semifinals. agreed so that is our uh that's it we're done no um <laughs> We we wanted to kind of dive deeper into the league in general just because there are some very interesting things. We talked about the new cap uh, structure earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about um, um, a lot of player movement. Um, but a couple of the things that really stood out. Um, one is this is the deepest player pool that I think the PHF has ever had. Oh, definitely. Even when adding a seventh team, which usually dilutes a talent pool, having salary, having salaries that you can market to and say like, we're going to pay you a modest wage. Some Mm of a a good chunk of these people are actually making a living wage. Yeah. uh, So that they don't have to work at FedEx. Uh, Like, and that's not a joke. That's what Michaela Grant Mentis did as her full-time job. <laughs> uh, so with the money and the recognition and the visibility of the league, like with all of that uh, added uh, kind of fanfare and this acknowledgement that people need to be paid better, you actually see these big names coming either coming back to or coming to the PHF for the first time. Mm -hmm. You know, we hit on a couple of these like Lauren Gable and Elizabeth Jaguar going to Boston. Those are two highly decorated women's hockey players. Or Anne Sophie or Anne Sophie Bette. Yeah. Like these all add dynamically talented players to an already deep talent pool and you can see that when we can reasonably say that every team in the league got better this season, this yeah. off season, and yet it still might not be enough. Because they're not necessarily competing with themselves. They are competing with the PWHPA. And uh, I mean, hopefully the competition between the two leagues continues to make each one better. I think we're in that kind of paradigm right now, but you never know how long that lasts. And so hopefully it can last until both of these leagues can really support a fun on ice product that a lot of people can glom onto and and have a fun time with. Absolutely. And uh, it seems like we're in a good place now that some people have kind of shifted around and maybe left uh, certain positions within each league. Um, we've got a new commissioner in the PHF, Reagan Carey, who is 
very much just pro women's hockey and wants to grow the sport has said publicly many times that two leagues two competing leagues is good for women's hockey it grows the game it requires these leagues to up their game Mm -hmm. and you know if this ultimately leads to one league cool if this ultimately leads to two competitive leagues cool it would be a bummer if one like killed off the other um but at the same time, I think we're we're kind of on the precipice of big movement in women's hockey. We've already seen a ton of big movement, but you know, Reagan Carey said uh, to Haley Salvian and the Athletic, "We're all on the same page, knowing that the the salary cap increase is a huge step forward, but it's nothing we're resting on," and so. That is somebody who is prepared to go even further to raise the women's game, to raise the profile of it, to raise the amount of money and stability that women playing it can have. Mm -hmm. And like that's that's a massive growth model in and of itself, having people in place that are full time. That's another big thing. The PHF, most of the administrative offices positions are full time now. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that in the past. Yeah, that's new. Uh, like this, this is a big step forward. That salary cap is a huge part of it. And with that, you know, they've also been able to target players who are playing in Europe to mm-hmm. come over to the U.S., and considering like the maximum contract length is only two years, like that's a huge gamble for these women to come from Europe to settle in like Danbury or New Jersey for a year. <laughs> and, but like the financial stipulations of it makes it worth it for them to at least try it out. And that's, that's a huge, huge boon to the league and to the, the sport. And moving forward, Hopefully the PHF, I mean, the PHF so often does this, like kicks itself right in the face uh, trying to do things. Hopefully we can see less of that moving forward. You know, they need to stop taking over after the NHL in that right and Mm -hmm. kind of chart their own path where they're not fucking things up all the time <laughs> uh and so uh and sadly we're going to talk about that in a little bit here yeah that, that's a bit of a uh, a lead-in yeah. but uh um, for the if, time being you know what if the gun is introduced in act one <laughs> <laughs> yeah um also crucial to the phf success is they have signed on with espn plus for two more years uh they've had a veritable success the past year and change when displaying these games uh it's hopefully been evident in the numbers for espn plus and i think i don't know it's a net win for for the league to be a part of the largest sports brand out there at least just displaying their games uh espn plus will stream all league games special events and isabel cup playoffs in the u.s and outside of the U.S., TSN will provide streaming and broadcasting in Canada. Those are huge platforms. Those are the the two platforms, right? Right. It's where you watch hockey if you're watching hockey otherwise. So, well, let's put women's hockey there. Right. Absolutely great. And uh, their product last year was great. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about ESPN, at least, 
is like you can stumble across it, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you bought the Hulu ESPN Disney bundle because like it was cheaper than buying all three and you were going to get Hulu and, e- and Disney anyways. Oh, shit. There's women's hockey on Hulu now. Like, right. It's that's like, you know, you can stumble across women's hockey, which is like on Twitch, like chances are the casual observer wasn't going to stumble across mm-hmm. it. Whereas on ESPN, you know, you can make like what we used to do watching ESPN in the middle of the day on cable. Like, oh, it's uh, it's Scandinavian strongman competition. Well, fine. I can fall asleep to this. Yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah. You know, you can just hopefully you'll bring new fans into the fold just by their ability to tune in. You know, maybe your NHL team's done or you've gotten blacked out from a game because the NHL blackout rules suck. Yeah. Uh, well, perfect place for the PHF to step in. Yeah. And I think just the, the, it really allows a new generation of fans to attach themselves to something, right? It's like, it's not in the past where you had to like, really go out of your way to find the product you can very easily find the product now and so you can like you and i kind of attached ourselves to players and teams early on but like we have a hockey podcast and we're obviously like nerdy about this (laughs) shit like the casual fan now can be like oh What's going on? Oh, what is this? Oh, the Connecticut whale. That's a cool looking uniform. Oh, this Kennedy Marshmallow lady is like destroying fools. Like awesome. Like, holy shit. This is really cool to watch. And like, that's how I fell in love with soccer was just like stumbling across it and watching it. And then, you know, you pick up fandom and you like you attach yourself to players. You buy jerseys, you buy hats, you buy like all the shit. And that's how you grow the game is this exposure that ESPN plus brings to women's hockey. And you're right. The broadcasts were actually really well done. I thought mm-hmm. a couple more camera angles would be nice, but sure, other than that, it's, it, it's great. So predictions, most important part about these is we look terrible at the end of the season, regardless of what we say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we look not so handsome. All right. Regular season champs who you got. I see you're going with the uh, the odds, so I'm going with I'm going with what I want to happen. Uh, see the Toronto Six win the best regular season record. I am gonna go with the Boston Pride because ah. I believe in uh, not putting myself out there too much. <laughs> Leading, Leading goal scorer. Uh, I feel like you probably didn't put yourself out there too much. No. Uh, and neither did going, I. <laughs> going with the Boston Pride, uh, Elizabeth Chiguer. I think uh, she's going to steamroll coming out of college and just be one of these several new faces, new forces stories we've had a couple years running now, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Brittany Howard. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really easy to make these predictions when <laughs> Brittany Howard destroyed fools on the first yeah. weekend. And she is currently leading the uh, <laughs> league in goals. I uh, was totally going to choose Brittany Howard before writing this preview after the first weekend. Um, that's a lie. Uh, most points, I'm going to step right into the, uh, the chalk here and say Kennedy Marchment repeats as the most points in the league. Uh, I've got a bit of a dark horse here. I'm going with Christina Patina. Uh, I think she is, 
I just see her on ice product. And I'm like, how, how long before this becomes just a dominant and unstoppable force? Christina's always been awesome and just kind of, in some ways overshadowed by the talent that she's playing with. Right. That's, that's one of the reasons that I feel yeah. like she's not really got her due. And so I think, you know, most points might help cement her uh, legacy. Oh, right. Uh, MVP. MVP. Can you, can you tell I'm a Connecticut whale fan? <laughs> Kennedy Marchman. Back to back. Yeah. Uh, if, Thing is, though, that's very, very possible and almost probable. <laughs> um, I want to be right once, damn it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You heard our predictions for last year's NHL season. I want to be right once. And I'm going with Loon Pads Levier. Uh, I think if Minnesota is going to uh, be on the map this year, it's going to be on the back of a hell of an effort from her. So. Uh, look forward to watching her this year and hopefully that comes to pass. Isabel cup finals going really out in the limb here. Uh, yeah, both of us are, um, just knocking on the door of that chalk factory saying, Hey, can we get your most obvious chalk? Uh, I'm going to go the Connecticut whale over the Minnesota white caps with a four to two final. All right. And I'm going Boston over anybody 2-0 because I think that's been the score that they've won with recently, right? Uh, they, I think they won 4-2 against oh, okay. the, white, or the whale last year. And thus concludes our third, third annual PHF preview. Um, but we're not done yet because... Um, Hockey did stupid things. Yeah, we unfortunately have to stay in Boston. Um, just fuck this shit. <laughs> like, it's uh, yeah, in, so in, awful. The, in the worst way, it is Miller time again. And that meaning Mitchell Miller, uh, the much maligned pro- former prospect, uh, was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes several years ago and was subsequently um, given up into the void if you will, because it came out that he had uh, abused a uh, developmentally disabled classmate who was black uh, with uh, just awful bullying, taunting, racist language, ableist, and uh, awful stunts, one would say. Yeah, there's uh, physical, mental, like mm-hmm. emotional, just the whole like every sort of abuse except for maybe sexual abuse. Like, yeah, I, his name is I Isaiah Meyer Carruthers and, uh, his account of what he suffered at the hands of Mitchell Miller is now, uh, public and, uh, displayed on the hockey diversity Alliance Twitter account. Um, his mother has been pretty outspoken as well over the years that Mitchell Miller did not really ever seemingly fess up, apologize, try to make right, try to make good uh, after years of, of torture at his hands in school. Um, and the accounts are harrowing. Uh, I encourage everybody listening to go read them. Um, it really is 
above and beyond just simple childhood bullying. Uh, it, it, it really shows a, a disdain for your fellow person that few people seem to be capable of. Um, and Boston fucked up. They, they thought either. I kind of think they were sold maybe a unfair story, a a bill of goods, and they didn't really do their homework and, and they, they fucked up and tried to sign this guy thinking that it would go away. Yeah. If this had happened like eight years ago, yeah, maybe. Uh, well, granted, it was happening eight years ago. Um, but like, if the story had come out eight years ago, mm-hmm. and Mitchell Miller had since done a lot of work to both internally and externally eradicate, on some level, the corrosive and awful behaviors that he had exhibited for almost the entirety of his childhood. Yeah, like, you know, do do something. G- give an interview. Like do it. he's not really done much to rehabilitate either the situation or his image. Yeah. And that wasn't court ordered. And even that was a laughable right, attempt. Right. This was so bad it went to court. And that a NHL team would go out of their way to sign this guy, even to an ELC. He's not even like a terribly good prospect who wasn't then. He's not terribly amazing now. Maybe he was a fourth round draft pick. He was the, what, USHL MVP Right, because he's playing in a league that is below his talent level, like... Of, he should be lighting up the USHL. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a he's an offensive defenseman, which is you know one of the most coveted yeah. positions Get, in sport in NHL right now. Gets um, GM salivating across the whole league. Well, apparently, so does his racism because <laughs> you know Don Sweeney, the GM, and Cam Neely, the I think president of Hockey Ops at mm-hmm. in Boston like put this announcement out that like oh we've done all of our homework we've talked to all the people we believe that mitchell is ready to reintegrate into hockey society blah 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 blah, talking not my butthole like all that (laughs) stuff and then while announcing the signing like that they had weeks to prepare for he said i talked to my players and they're against it. They don't understand it. We're not even sure it's a good idea. Oh, right. and also, yeah, we didn't talk to the victim or the NHL at all. Yeah, it was one of those rare occasions where one of these interviews is like actually like just jaw dropping. <laughs> <laughs> it's right up there with like the Ken Holland uh I'm not going to go in all year or every year interview except worse because there's like this awful racist ableist creature that is yeah. like being further enabled by these actions yeah it it's clear that they just sort of didn't think that much about it and thought that they could get away with it it's it's yeah it's like old hockey man 101 like mm-hmm. 
like, oh, just pretend we did the work and maybe it'll work out. Like, no, 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 no. Right. If you had reached out to either the victim or his mother, they would have given you a very stark account of years of abuse. Not just uh, an isolated mistake as a 14-year-old, which is what what Mitchell Miller portrays this as. And I think most importantly in these discussions it's Mitchell Miller's agent that uh, I think is kind of getting left out of this. Like my guess is that this agent said all the right things and that the team then just took that at face value and they should not have, they should have done their own fucking homework, but Okay, you know, if you have an agent of a ah, really good-looking prospect coming to you and saying, there's this incident, it was one time, it was years ago, he said sorry, blah, 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 you are technically telling the truth, but you are lying. And the reality is that Mitchell Miller did say, quote-unquote, sorry. He uh, sent a kind of shoddily written uh instagram dm about a week before this news broke and uh while saying that this is not related to hockey yeah except uh, i'm about to sign with one of the like premier franchises in hockey history exactly uh so obviously there's not really a shred of real remorse in this kid or his family. And that's also kind of the surprising thing is like, okay, if you had handled this sensibly from the get-go as just people, as just regular fucking people, he would not be now persona non grata and probably going to, I don't know, play in the fucking KHL or something like next year. Uh, he probably could have had chances. Yeah. But he has decided not to earn the chances because you you have to earn chances. Uh, usually. Yeah, yeah usually. He, I mean, in, in a just and fair world. Yeah, you don't usually get more than a couple of chances, and especially with sustained behavior, not, not single mistakes. Yeah, he has repeatedly gone to the well of labeling this as a singular event despite the fact that it went from first grade until he was suspended as i believe a 15 or 16 year old from school yeah it was two guys who rubbed a push pop on the inside of a urinal and baited this mentally this or developmentally challenged child into putting it in his mouth the kid had to go get std tested like he has mental scarring to this day and when they went when the school did an inquiry about it the the other individual was like yes we did this it was absolutely horrible i'm terribly sorry i want to say i'm sorry to isaiah i want to like be a better person, like actually went through the steps and Mitchell Miller denied it. Yeah. And then they had camera footage from the security cameras and like 15 other students, including the other student who was accused 
saying, yes, we did this. And Mitchell, like Mitchell was proud of it and told a bunch of people about it. And so because of that, they suspended him for longer than they did the other student. Like at no point in this kid's life has he ever faced real actual consequences. Yeah. Until this came to light in 2020 when he got drafted. And obviously he didn't think he faced consequences then or I don't know. He probably thought he faced enough consequences then. Yeah, and he's like, well, my dream has been put on hold. It's like, you physically and mentally and racially abused a child to the point where he has severe trauma for the better part of a decade. You don't get the benefit of the doubt here. Right, you don't get to have that fucking dream, buddy. Yeah. That's a privilege. And you can go try and convince some accounting firm that your narcissism is their benefit. Like it's absolutely insane. The amount of entitlement that he and his family have displayed in this situation. Yeah. His parents front to back. His parents are both fucking assholes too. Every time they speak, it's like, Oh, that's why he is the way he is. Probably the most galling thing about all of this outside of like the obviously horrific outcome is that Mitchell Miller is going to be fine. He's a rich white kid. He's I mean, eventually. He's, what is fine? Like he will have a roof over his head. He will have right. his mental health. He will be financially so? stable. What I'm saying is he's had like six years since this first came to light. And like he was convicted in, in the juvenile court of this. Mm-hmm. He's had six years to start showing real contrition to like be a practitioner of restorative justice and to like actually move forward. And he hasn't in one way at all. Right. And like, he's the same shithead. I'm only glad that it has focused people's perception on the victim this time, because before, before it was just, this victim in this story of this prospective draft pick. And now, you know, thanks to the work of the hockey diversity Alliance, Akima Liu, who got a, a, a firsthand account, uh, and published it. It, you know, this is more real and hopefully more lessons will be learned by the hockey community from it this time. I mean, I say that knowing that, well, last time not enough was learned, but maybe this time, maybe, hopefully, I don't know. Uh, what I was kind of getting at earlier is like, we're never going to see what we hope from Mitchell Miller. I don't think he has no. it in him. And so, but he's going to be fine because he will be given chances in other arenas to make considerable amounts of money and be successful it won't be in the NHL so long right. as, you know, Gary Bettman's statement actually has any teeth to it. So that's the other fucking thing. Gary Bettman, like, spat fire over this. <laughs> and, I mean, in as ways, he should. Yeah, as he should. But, like, like it's so unexpected from him. His angry dad jeans. Yeah, it's uh, so unexpected because he's, he's part of the problem. Well, and... I mean, part of the problem is not enough people have spoken out 
against it so vociferously. Um, that it was the commissioner of the hockey league, like, and that he implied that this player might not be eligible to play was also very, um, I don't know, kind of not smart on his behalf because now the union has to get involved. And he simply probably could have said there may be an investigation. Um, but it's very interesting. Like, okay, now because Gary opened up his mouth for once, for once to like, say something honest and human, uh, now he's going to kind of get punished for it. Well, is, is, uh, is Mitchell even part of the NHLPA though? Like, yeah, he signed the contract. So that's true. And so the, the, the union has to then come in and defend the contract. Hopefully they're just like, you know what? Nah, <laughs> that would be so funny. Well, like, and the league doubled down and said, Oh, you know what? Logan Mayo is not eligible either. Which like good. Yeah. Right. Like uh, that. Holy shit. When I read that, I had to reread it two or three times. like, Oh my God. Oh, all right. Wow. Maybe there is, you know, some semblance of justice thanks to the sheer amount of public opinion that these two shitheads have garnered. Like, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe we are starting to get a little bit of movement. It's in fits and starts, but shit, if, if the league is going to bat against this type of behavior, entering it in this way, and, uh, and with Logan Mayo, like, all right, that that's a better legacy for Gary. Yeah, considering right now his is like, I grew the game, but turned a blind eye to all the bad stuff. Um, right, right, right. Yeah, I think we're we're in uh, we're in uncharted territory with uh, uh, Uncle Gary here, and I hopefully it's like a precursor of good things to come. Not going to hold my breath. Um, but that's why but, like, this is such a crazy thing. Like this is totally just unprecedented on so many different strange little levels because one team got in its head. Hey, maybe we could sign this kid and no one will actually care this time. Uh, and then the public opinion just went haywire. It's kind of a bummer, but it's also great. Uh, yeah. Well, what I'm, I'm, changing gears here uh so it turns out that boston can't just void his contract and yeah, so, I don't think so on the downside mitchell miller is going to get a decent chunk of money probably off of this on the upside <laughs> fuck you boston yeah that that is very very funny i mean he's there they'll be able to settle out his contract for not a whole lot i'm sure but also props to the bruins players uh, who also kind of said they didn't like this publicly to in the ways that they could. Um, yeah, Nick Felino, who has just like apparently popped back into the hockey consciousness uh, by being kind of resurgent this year, yeah. uh, was like, no, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, uh, Patrice Bergeron had to give an interview about it and in so many words he was like the captain of the team said well he has a lot of fucking work to do if he ever wants to play here yeah uh, uh, 
the long and short of it basically is this sucks and hopefully the posturing from the nhl is not just that it's mm-hmm. an actual show of conscience mm-hmm. or conscience and we get to see a real like stance against this sort of shitty behavior from a league that historically has not stood for anything. Right. Um, and you know, kudos to the HDA for being, uh, that's the hockey diversity Alliance, Mm -hmm. uh, at, I think it's official HDA on, uh, Twitter. Kudos to them for actually reaching out to the victim Mm -hmm. and working with them the Bruins have since uh, renounced the contract, although that's kind of up in the air. Don Sweeney called his mom. Uh, yeah. They talked for 45 minutes. And they talked about um, getting some sort of like counseling or therapy for Isaiah, which um, would be like, an, that'd be a nice gesture. Sure. Um, th- like it, Hopefully, hopefully, one, we never hear this kid's, we never hear Mitchell Miller's name again with regards to an NHL contract. Um, hopefully, we don't have to like drag this out from time to time. Um, but I hope that the lessons here and the as of right now forward movement that the NHL is making is something that is not forgotten mm-hmm. and that we have an actual charted path forward with regard to um, how we protect the people who are outside of hockey from those who are inside hockey. Yeah. Uh, speaking of protecting those who are inside hockey, uh, we hate this guy, but we are very thankful that he's alive uh yeah uh evander kane unfortunately was part of an accident and uh this is in contrast to my casual jokes about this on maybe the twitter but uh surviving hockey is the most important part of the game and safety is key and that he got his arm slashed uh accidentally by falling and then just escape played being in the wrong place the wrong time uh was really bad um he did everything right he got up and skated to the bench and may have saved his life yeah um but yeah the harrowing incident that shows hey we're all human and also like hockey's really fucking dangerous it is <laughs> when you get down to it um yeah i think it was pat maroon's skate like yeah. was, uh, you watch the incident is just a, just an awful accident there's obviously no malicious behavior. oh yeah 100 percent you know, fell and well, pe- people in this sport have knives on their feet. Yeah, very sharp knives, like repeatedly sharpened knives. Yeah, right. Uh, and so I, w- we do genuinely hope that Evander Kane is able to recover. We're glad he did not die. Uh, that would be, we are glad that, you know, he's going to be out three to four months, supposedly, with this injury and the post-surgery recovery. Uh, we are glad that he's going to survive and you know who else is glad his many many creditors yeah yeah they 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 get in that the they're skimming off the top of that big payday he got with edmonton but 
this is it, it's a sobering reminder of the actual danger that anyone really playing hockey puts themselves in every time they lace up knives to their feet. So yeah. Um, uh, Jaroslav Slavkovsky also uh, <clears throat> suspended two games for a pretty awful boarding call uh, versus the Red Wings. Um, yeah. Young kids got to learn a lesson. Yeah. Two games for uh, knocking a player out for 10 to 12 weeks and having him having to reconstruct his face seems a little light, but you know, it's the first oh, the injury was that bad. Yeah. He's going to be out. He's, he's, he's out three months oh, fucking yikes so he got called up from the griffins took a slap shot to the chin split open his chin knocked out a couple of teeth uh he had 16 stitches was wearing a full cage for where it wore it for like three or four games played the next fucking day by the way uh and had just taken off the full cage for this game against Montreal when he got planted into the boards by the number one overall pick and is now having like actual facial surgery. Yeah. So. Who's like six foot six and not skinny. He, he's a big man. <laughs> he's yeah. Huge. That was one of the things uh, coming out is like, he is physically ready for this league and yeah, yeah he's a big boy. So, uh, it should be more, but you know, this is George Paros's world and we're all just living in it, laughing at how inconsistent it is. And so, <laughs> Yeah, he got a good spin of the Wheel of Discipline from the Department of Player Unsafety. That apparently only has two games on it this season. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't embarrassingly low max fine. Yeah. That uh, is an option. That is an option that well, they that's, are, are option That's taking. what Kirill Kaprizov got. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's totally star treatment. Yes. Totally star absolutely. treatment. And also, he was hitting Drew Doughty. And people were like, nah, okay. eh, yeah, I also want to hit Drew Doughty. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, like, George Peros is like... Yeah, fuck your daddy. <laughs> All right, folks, that is going to be it for us today. Uh, if you get a chance, or even if you don't get a chance, uh, and you just want to be really cool, uh, watch the PHF. Uh, games are Amen. Saturdays and Sundays, uh, streaming on ESPN Plus or Hulu, if you are one of those folks. Um, it's, it's super fun. We say this every year. It's a ton of fun. It's a growing sport. Get into it. Find a favorite player. Become a fan of the Connecticut Whale. I mean, of any team, but mostly the Whale, um, because they're <laughs> the coolest. And, uh, you know, we hope to, um, you know, get some feedback from our listeners to say, you know, even if it's just to say, you know, oh, I, lis- I watched for the first time ever and it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Like, that's butts and seats or eyes on TVs. That's that's what we're looking here, looking at here for the PHF. Um, so, uh spend some time it's gonna be rainy and shitty for like the next you know six seven months here in yeah, portland we and, are in binge watching season and like snowy and crappy in other parts of the country um and like what good is going outside anyways so watch watch some women's hockey on the on espn plus unless and, you're uh, going enjoy. to see them live yeah you can do that if you are looking for us on the internet, you're, you're not streaming TV, you're streaming this podcast, you can find us elsewhere at handsomehockey.com is our website. Handsome Hockey Podcast on Instagram, at Handsome Hockey when we're not banned, we're there on Twitter. I um, knew that was coming. Turns out, if you call a racist a racist, they don't like that anymore in Elon's world. Uh, if you are one of those people who sends emails to folks, um, if you are a 96-year-old sending an email to tell uh, my office just how terrible we are, handsomehockeypod at gmail.com. 
And then finally, the Handsome Hockey Facebook page is a thriving community that gets posted to once every like four or five months. So if you're listening to us, which I mean, if you're listening to me talk right now, you are follow us on whatever uh, platform you're listening to us, you know, set us up for auto downloads, go review us places to wash out all of the one star reviews we got from uh, barstool chuckleheads who probably were <laughs> abused by their parents. Um, and, you know, uh, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you, but go watch the PHF. Restez beau tout le monde. Oh, I didn't say the thing yet. Stay handsome, everybody. It's backwards day.